Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Glorious Friday. It is the 17th day of uh, August. I almost said September. And I thought, no, it's not right. Of March 2023. I am Derek Cutter. I am your host. Welcome to the show. Appreciate the hell out of you listening. I appreciate you even more if you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Sign up for the weekend F and review. Enter the contest, even if the uh, weekend F and review ain't your cup of meat. Support the program. Support your local sheriff. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Also, enter to win the signed book contest. Christy Gnome versus uh, Ivanka Trump. I had to try and remember who that was this week. Somebody's going to win one of those. Why not you? All right, let's get started. All right, there is a lot going on. A bunch of things to get to today. We've got the banking situations and have they propped up credit suites have they done i don't know nobody knows it's really a matter of at this point it's panic it's panic now individuals can't really panic enough to make much of a difference just to be honest with you like if you you've sold if you had a thousand shares of some bank and you sold it it wouldn't even rate it's the massive hedge fund managers it is the uh the rich guys the rich leftists all these people donate heavily to Democrats. They control massive portfolios. And if they decide to sell, then it crashes the stock. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's just one of those things where you sit there and you watch these people talk about the things. As they, just, they won't tell you the truth about it because what's the point in telling you the truth about it? Where's the panic? The panic porn on both sides. Oh, things are fine, and don't worry, and things are going to die. We're all going to end up uh, slaves to the to the state. Okay, I doubt either one of those are going to be true. Banks are going to fail. We'll survive. It's not going to. I doubt it'll be like the Great Depression or anywhere close to it. But you never know. Just take care of yourself. Do what's right for you, and you'll probably come through this thing all right. Not a lot of money in the panic, in the non-panic porn, but it is worth pointing out. Uh, I have. Have you seen this footage of the drone? Now, this is another one of those things where they're trying to stir things up. When I first heard the story of the the U.S. drone that collided with a Russian aircraft, a Russian fighter jet, as they put it, it is a fighter jet, um, and crashed into the sea i i didn't hear that it was a drone i should have known that it was a drone we we seemingly barely fly anything these days with a human being on board which has its pros and its cons but um i first heard like there was a collision between a russian aircraft and a u.s aircraft and it was a horrible catastrophic collision i'm like oh what's this is bad because I've seen and heard reports going all the way back to George W. Bush. Remember with China, George W. Bush in his first I don't know, couple of months, maybe even a couple of weeks in office, the Chinese communist government flying, the U.S. government was flying through the, uh, the Sea of China, China, South China Sea, which is international waters. And uh, a Chinese plane crashed into skid and crash into it but it uh, bumped a u.s 
freighter, I think it was a flight of air freighter. So it had like 12 or 15 troops on it or whatever. It caused some damage to the plane to the point that the plane had to be, had to land and had to land in Chinese territory. And the Chinese government held the people for a week or two. I forget what it was. Eventually they were released, but it was a, a big scandal at the time. And ever since then, and probably before, we just didn't hear about it, but ever since then, you'd hear about close calls between U.S. aircraft and aircraft of our enemies. Make no mistake, they are our enemies. You don't have to be in a fighting war with them for, the, for them to be an enemy. And, you know, it came close, came within 100 feet. You see in the Persian Gulf, you'd see uh, Iranian fighter jets flying close to U.S., boats, ships. They all do this, all desperates. There's there isn't much uh, variation, variance in the playbook over there. If you're an enemy of the United States, you like to poke the bear to see how far you can go. Now, we have to maintain calm. But at a certain point, we should sort of let our calm go. If an Iranian fighter jet is buzzing our ships and causing all sorts of problems, who would care honestly if we shot it out of the air i mean the russians probably would or i mean the the iranians probably would but honestly why should we shoot them down right it would send a message that if you come within 100 feet of our stuff or 50 feet or whatever it is we're going to shoot you down we're not going to worry about oh trust your pilot not being a complete jackass and being able to handle the aircraft that they're flying shoot shoot them down I don't think you do that with Russia or China, but doing that to Iran kind of sends a message to Russia and China going, hey, wait a second, we uh, we maybe should rethink this thing. That being said, the footage that the Pentagon released of this drone collision, because it, it turns out to be a drone, at which point, you know, with with no American lives in danger, I lost interest in it. Now, I don't appreciate the attack on our property or the damaging or destruction of one of our expensive pieces of military equipment. But I also don't sit there and go, well, that poor family of that drone. I just don't care the way I did if it were a manned aircraft. So why does it matter? Why is this such a big... You see the footage and you see the fighter jet coming up. It looks like an outtake, honestly, from uh, from Top Gun Maverick. You see the plane coming up and it clearly tries to create, and it does, it hits the plane with the jet wash and jet fuel pouring out of there to mess up its engines. And then it tries to do it again, but it gets too close. And it, it, the first thing, it cut out the engines with the jet wash and the, the jet fuel dump. It did cut out the engines, cause a problem, and then they uh, recovered. So the plane took a second pass, and that's when it hit it. That's when it damaged it. That's when it went down there. Now, if you want to send a bill to Moscow for messing with our plane for the cost of the drone, go ahead. I don't really care. But is this really worth the stink that is being made about it? And the answer is no. That's not just the obvious answer is no. The only answer is no. So why is such a stink being made out of it well it's pretty simple the left has created now look vladimir putin is not a good guy vladimir putin is not our friend 
Vladimir Putin is probably four or five on the list of issues of importance to the United States, to our foreign policy, to national security, whatever. Well down on the list, number one being China, way ahead of, uh, of Russia. But China has preemptively paid off the Biden family. So like, they're, they're not really talked about all that much. But I would argue that Iran is more important than Russia right now. Why? Because Iran sponsors terrorism around the world against the United States and our interests and our allies. They've been a little bit quiet of late, which is a reason to be concerned. They don't generally go quiet unless they are going to go loud somewhere. We shall see. Maybe they've just grown up, but they're also on the verge of developing a nuclear weapon, thanks to the incompetence of the Obama administration and now the Biden administration. So maybe they're keeping their head down. But that a nuclear Iran is a threat. We also have China buddying up with Iran and buddying up with Saudi Arabia. That's more problematic. We do need the Saudi oil. Saudi Arabia isn't an enemy just yet, but let's be honest about the way that Joe Biden is handling it. The way to feel tough in the Democratic Party isn't actually to do anything. Not to do anything at all, honestly, that really matters. It is to talk a good game. Talk a good game. And what does the Biden administration do when it came to, what have they done when it came to Saudi Arabia? Prince bin Salman, whatever the hell his name is, first name, I don't know. The leader of Saudi Arabia, the Biden administration has done nothing but attack the man, to smear the man. Now, the president met with him over in the Middle East and shook his hand and was all pally buddy-buddy with him, and the pictures came out, and the Biden administration was embarrassed because they talked tough about him. But when the chips were down, he ignored it. The uh, murder of Jamal Khashoggi is always billed as a... Washington Post journalist, which he wasn't, he wrote like a couple of uh, opinion columns for the Washington Post, and that was all he did. He was a Saudi national, not an American, and he was murdered, no doubt, by the regime in Saudi Arabia, but not in the United States of America. So honestly, we don't have any business giving a damn about it. Not an American, didn't happen in America. If anybody who writes an opinion piece in an American newspaper, suddenly gets the protection of the United States government. Well, pretty much every despot around the world in U.S. history has uh, written a piece for the New York Times at some point or another. Do they all get the protection? I don't think so, and God, I hope not. Hitler even wrote for the New York Times because the New York Times supported Hitler up until the point that it became impossible for them to continue to do so. But anyway, we need Saudi Arabia, especially with the President of the United States choking off so much of our domestic oil supply. We need Saudi Arabia. Them partnering up with our enemies is much more important than Vladimir Putin. And so why do we get all this talk about this drone? As if it's an attack on the United States. Okay, it's an attack on the United States, I suppose, in the most technical of senses. But in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? How many drones do we have? 
What is the cost of a drone? Bill, Bill Moscow for it. We have seized Vladimir Putin's money and Russian government money from around the world. We have seized and frozen bank accounts. If you really want to make a stink about it, which they don't, they want to, well, they want to make a stink about it because they want to be seen as making a stink about it. They won't actually want to do anything about it. But if you really want to do something about it, you've got more than enough of their money, of Russian government money seized in banks around the world that you can just take the cost of that drone. All right, you did this. It's like an insurance claim. We're going to take $350 million or however much the drone costs. I don't know what the drone costs, but that sort of thing. But they're not doing that. They're trying to make it seem as though this is a major scandal, a major attack on the United States of America. Why? Because it makes Joe Biden look tough. It makes Joe Biden look tough. Look, Joe Biden is tough. He's standing up to Vladimir Putin. My God, he's standing up to Putin. Look at that. We will not allow Putin to get away with what Putin has gotten away with. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means that we've gotten... Just shut up. Don't, Don't think too hard about it. Really? That's your best? Because I guarantee you Russia does this sort of thing all the time. It's just that this time they took the jet, uh, they took the uh, drone out. Do you have a problem with the concept? Might you, maybe you should have spoken out before now. Well, before now, they didn't need Joe Biden to look tough. They need Joe Biden to look tough. Because they can make Joe Biden look tough without really utilizing Joe Biden, if you've noticed. I don't know why it is, but Joe Biden has been disappearing from the public view a lot more frequently these days. It was never, they always made sure that there was a proof of life video for Joe Biden. I'm not saying that there's any reason for this, but I'm saying there might be a reason for it. If you look at the proof of life video, there's always, there's Joe Biden sitting in a chair. He reads a statement. He meets with somebody. He stares blankly ahead, sort of seemingly unaware of where on earth he is. And the press is then ushered out of the room while they're trying to ask questions. And Joe just kind of sits there like he's confused, like you would if you, I don't know, recorded a dog barking and then played it back to the dog. I think the dog would be, dog kind of looks like, what the hell is going on? Joe sits there and stares at but at least there was proof of life on a daily basis. Not interaction. It could have been animatronics, but that's beside the point. Now they're, they're doing less of that. They're doing fewer proof of life. They'll go two, three days without a Biden sighting. They still put out the statement, but they don't ask the question. Now, do you remember in the Trump administration when the first lady was not seen for a little while? Now, granted, it was a lot longer then two or three days, but the first lady hadn't been seen for a while. The media, Brian Stelter, the human potato over there at CNN, when he was at CNN, was like, oh, it's been uh, 20 days since we've seen the first lady. Well, she's, are you assuming, are you trying to imply that she's been murdered and stuck in a burlap sack or snuck out of the White House in a rolled up uh, rug or something? Like, what's going on? No. They wanted the story implicitly at the time to be, oh, there's trouble in paradise. The first lady is mad at the president, blah, 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 whatever it was. They didn't care. It was just about stirring the pot or stirring the toilet, as it was, because that's what they seemed to be stirring, if you get the content 
of the toilet reference there. That's what they do. But the president of the United States not being seen for a couple of days, not having that proof of life, the statements coming through the historically incompetent spokesmodel at the White House podium or through written statements, that's a little bit more concerning to the nation than whether or not the president and the first lady are getting along. Is it not? Should it not be? But if you've got the president being tough, the president being in quotes, the president being in in theory, being tough against Vladimir Putin, standing up to Russia, well, that's a little bit different. You know, he's there. He's engaged, obviously, because he's standing up to Vladimir Putin. They've issued a severe statement. Suddenly, the story that normally, well, can't say normally would have been covered because it would make it would cast questions upon a Democrat, but a normal person would ask the question. Uh, that question isn't asked because they've got other things to talk about. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying it makes more sense than anything else. And there isn't a whole lot else since nobody else is bothering to ask any questions because our press is terrible. I want to shift gears to our um, vice president, Kamala Harris, a, uh, just one of those people where you sit there and you go, I can't believe this person has a job, let alone the job of vice president. I can't believe this person has a job. Everybody's walked away from a drive through experience or a fast food counter. It's nothing against fast food workers. I've been a fast food worker. It's where people get their start. But some people, you sit there and you go, we... Your start is your finish line. It just, it's not going to, you're not, uh, not going to work out well for you. Some people, some people. And it's they're just because they're dumb. Kamala is one of them. Kamala is one of those people where you sit there and you go, okay, I could see under certain circumstances where her ability to say a lot of words without saying anything can come in handy. In politics is really one of them. Her mouth can carry her a long way. It got her into politics with Willie Brown, and it's kept her in politics ever since. But very few people say as much without saying anything, and fewer still have these moments. I'll call them uh, WTF, is Kamala trying to say here. We could really literally do this every week. Here's Kamala's WTF moment of the week. Because you can find audio of her every single day where you're just going, what, what, did she, what is she trying to say? Now, she speaks, not, coherently isn't the word, because coherently is, has to do with the meaning of the word, but she speaks as though there is coherence in what she's saying, but there just isn't. She says it the way a normal person would say a coherent sentence. But it is not a coherent sentence by any stretch of the imagination. Now, there is an oil project that the Biden administration recently approved. It has uh, gotten the left-wing radical base very upset. Very, very upset because Joe Biden was going to kill fossil fuels. He's still trying to kill fossil fuels, but he recognizes that if he were to kill fossil fuels now, 
he would kill his chances of re-election in 2024 or do a lot of damage to it. But So he had to pretend, he had to play along, he had to sort of say, we will uh, support this thing, but not the other thing. You know, it's lip service. It's meaningless. And the environmental groups will sue and drag it out and stop it. And then eventually, I promise you, it'll be killed. But the left doesn't, the radical left, the, um, the uh, activist left, doesn't think of it in those terms. Look, Joe Biden needs to pretend to care about this project in order to have something to point to when the conservatives rightly point out that he is trying to da- that the gas prices are for his fault that he's damaging the oil industry he wants to kill it he wants to be able to say well that's not true i appointed i approved the willow oil project nothing will go into the ground lawsuits will be filed things will be regulations inspection everything will be dragged out. i promise you that a drop of oil will come out of the ground over this i suspect or not nearly as much as otherwise would if they just allowed it to actually progress but biden will use it as a shield to deflect from the truth even cnn has the story their headline biden administration approves controversial willow oil project in alaska which has galvanized online activism just for the record though online activism is not activism online activism is i can't even say it's literally the least somebody could do because it's less than the least somebody could do you don't really have to do anything if you're part of a an environmentalist wacko group online and they sign on to some petition condemn you've already signed on you, you didn't have to do anything so it wasn't like and even if you do sign on to something it's really just i click and add my name oh i'm a hero i didn't burn a single calorie my bed sores did not have a moment's uh, fresh air to heal i just laid there and let it go so it's literally less than the least you could do online activism but online activism is enough it keeps the left engaged the left is very good at making people feel like they're making a difference or doing something when in fact they're doing absolutely nothing that makes it easier to mobilize them when they do need to mobilize them need to send them out for a riot or send them out to vote whatever cnn the biden administration has approved the massive willow oil drilling project in alaska massive angering climate activists and setting the stage for a court challenge hey a court challenge setting the stage for a court challenge which means what which means that not a drop of oil will come out of the ground in this thing ever and eventually particularly if joe biden is god forbid reelected next year the biden administration will suddenly have an epiphany and go we can no longer in good conscience support this because why because it will have served its purpose but before then it will just be court challenges The Willow Project is a uh, decades-long oil drilling venture in the National Petroleum Reserve, which is owned by the federal government. The area where the project is planned holds up to 600 million barrels of oil, though that oil would take years to reach the market since the project has yet to be constructed. Again, Democrats drag their feet, Democrats drag their feet, Democrats block it, Democrats don't approve it, Democrats need it because the political pressure is there. They say, okay, go ahead, and then in swoop the activist Democrats to sue and say, you can't do this, and the court says, well, we'll put everything on hold while we look at this, and the elected Democrats get to say, look, we've already approved this drilling project. They could, of course, call off their dogs. The reason, by the way, 
Because you sit there and you go, well, you hear all these cases that go, maybe you don't. You probably don't follow the court cases that closely on any of this. But the reason that a lot of court cases that conservatives bring are dismissed out of hand by liberal judges is the liberal judges declare you don't have any standing. You don't have any standing. You can't sue yet. That's one of the big arguments with the student loan forgiveness thing as well. We have to determine, the court has to determine whether or not anybody has actually been financially harmed by this and therefore has standing. Since it hasn't happened yet, they might not actually have standing because they've nobody's been hurt, nobody's been harmed. Well, you can't sue, say, the on anything that you're not directly involved in, that you didn't have any. The government's open border. As an American, if you had a loved one die from fentanyl or murdered by an illegal alien or whatever, you cannot sue the federal government because the government will say, well, you don't really have standing. It wasn't about you. It wasn't directed at you. You, yeah, Your life sucks because of it, but that's not enough standing. You can't. If you're not directly involved, you can't sue. You can't sue a corporation for something evil that they did unless you directly were harmed by it directly as an individual you will be thrown out because you don't have any standing but our government thanks to the environmental protection act back in the nixon administration this is why i don't ever trust and don't ever trust a republican who says nixon was their favorite republican or teddy roosevelt for that matter they were both progressives they both wanted to use the power of government to shape society and advance their own personal agendas and do things well beyond the, uh, and they did things well beyond the scope of the federal government. But Nixon, EPA, realistically, Nixon should be the left's favorite Republican, but they need a boogeyman, so they've made him into that. Uh, thanks to that and subsequent re- legislation and regulation by the government, environmental activist groups like the Sierra Club are granted by the government a waiver that grants them automatic standing. <coughs> Automatic standing. So they will, the Sierra Club, which could have no members in Alaska, not even ever been to Alaska. They, they do, but it, it's pretend they didn't. They certainly don't have anybody in, in the, the National Wildlife Reserve or in this part of Alaska because it's federal government. Nobody's living there. They will not be harmed in any way, shape, or form. So they would theoretically, not theoretically, in reality, have no standing, but our government, because, uh, they make the case, they made the laws, has granted these environmentalist groups standing automatically so they can sue. So if you sued your case for this very same thing, you'd be tossed out because you have no standing, but these environmentalist groups are granted it. Now, it's amazing to me that this hasn't, maybe it has been challenged, but it seems to me that there would be a uh, a pretty solid equal protection case against stripping the special rights for environmentalist groups out of the federal code because why why do they get special treatment you talk about special treatment they get special treatment relative to what other people what actual people get but they don't maybe it has been adjudicated i don't know anyway they're going to sue and gum up these works that being said about the willow oil project Kamala Harris was asked about this by Stephen Colbert last night. Now, what's funny here is 
Stephen Colbert comes at it from the left. Stephen Colbert is not a thinking person. He is a follower. He is a drone bee. He just happens to have a television show. So you can tell he doesn't know much about this anyway. He's clearly never thought about it the way you should think about it, which is how I just explained it. But he does know and is probably on the email lists of all of these left-wing activist groups and probably funding a lot of them and probably bailing out most of them who commit you know, ter- acts of terrorism. So he knows that the left is upset. Now, do you know any real human being who's upset over the approval of this drilling? That won't happen probably for 20 years, if it does happen, provided every court case goes right? Do you know anybody? No, you don't. But in Stephen Colbert's world, it's a big scandal. It's a problem. And apparently there were a couple of people outside the theater there at Colbert's show holding picket signs. Why? Because A, it's New York, and B, the left has nothing better to do. These leftists have nothing better to do. So that brings us to Kamala Harris's WTF moment for the day. See if you can figure out what she's saying in this clip. Now, she appeases Colbert. There's no follow-up question, (laughs) nothing to to really go, what the hell are you talking about? That was just gibberish. That was a word salad you just tossed. But listen to the vice president of the United States and the really the only kind of interviews that this administration gives are to pseudo-comedians, trans TikTok activists, and gay people on Comedy Central. That's it. Was there any discussion in the White House about what the blowback would be for approving the Willow Oil Project, because people have gotten quite upset about it. I think there's some protesters outside right now. Well, I think that the, the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments. Now, of course, Stephen Colbert is Pauline, the modern Pauline Kale. People are quite upset about it. Wherever you go today or tomorrow or this weekend... If you strike up a conversation with anybody, ask them what they think of the decision on the Willow Oil Project by the Biden administration. Ask them. Ask them. Ask 10 people, if you get near 10 people. If you find one of them who has an opinion or doesn't look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Like a weeping willow, a pussy willow? Like, what are you talking about? If you get anybody who has an opinion at all or goes, you know what? I, I support it. Or I am upset. I, uh, if you find anybody who knows what the hell they're talking about out of 10 people, let me know. Let me know. I will be wildly surprised. But Stephen Colbert's world is, uh, people are very upset. It's uh, all the talk of the town. My goodness. Everybody in my my massive mansion neighborhood in the Hamptons is very upset by this. Really? (laughs) Yeah, even the oil magnets down, because they're afraid that it's going to dip into their profits eventually. But Kamala's answer, what in the hell is she talking about? With all due respect to the vice president, what in the hell is what? Well, we've got to. I want to play it again just because my mockery can't do it justice. 
You get well. We, we we all should be concerned about the things that we're concerned about, and we should all be looking into the things and the stuff that you should look into and watch and and see and then do and think and of course yes or something like that. Actually, might be too coherent for what the vice president is actually saying in this clip. Was there any discussion in the White House about what the blowback would be for approving the Willow Oil Project? Because people have gotten quite upset about it. I think there's some protesters outside right now. Well, I think that the, the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments. <laughs> okay. And, of course, Stephen Colbert doesn't go, wait, what does that even mean? Is that English? Could you write that down? Could you diagram that sentence? Could you, I don't know, make any sense of that? Could you say that again? Say it, forget it. Forget it. Most people go, try and say that three times fast. No, no, no. Try and say that one time coherently. Can you, can you say that again? Yeah, this is our vice president of the United States. She's a gifted politician who will only bring more and more votes. If it weren't honestly for her gender and her skin color, would anybody have voted for her? Because when Democrats even had a chance to vote for her based on that, they refused and she had to drop out of the race. It was just, there are very few politicians, not as gifted, as ungifted as Kamala Harris is. Because I'm, I'm sitting there and I flip around and the Daily Mail, if you don't know this, I just noticed this. If you have a Daily Mail story open for too long, for some reason, after a couple of hours, it resets to their homepage. It just doesn't, you can go find the story again. It still exists, but it, it takes you to their homepage. I think it's part of, part of how they manage to be the most popular website in the world is they're racking up artificial clicks for people who leave their web browsers open or me like multiple tabs. But the headline, Moment Russian fighter jet crashes into $32 million Reaper drone and clips propeller after dumping fuel on it. In international airspace over Black Sea, colon, Pentagon releases footage as Putin ships around crash site to find debris. They have exceedingly long headlines over there. Brevity is the soul of wit, but longevity is the key to clicks, apparently. But I find 32 million bucks, honestly, in the grand scheme of things for the Pentagon, pretty damn cheap for the price of one of these drones. <laughs> I'm less mad at Russia now. But now it also seems like we could... We easily have 32 million bucks Russian assets seized. We go to Putin, hey, uh, we're going to take this. Now, the Russians are claiming that we turned off the transponder and we're flying toward Russian airspace. I don't know if that's the case. I don't really care. They still were obviously dumping fuel on it and then they smashed into it. They could have just shot it down if it was violating their airspace. But international law allows for vehicles to approach some other country's airspace. It does not allow for them to violate that airspace up in the Bering Strait and over Alaska, Russia routinely violates our airspace, violates our airspace and just approach our airspace. And we don't send kamikaze pilots up there to smash in them or even kamikaze drones. Maybe we should if this is the standard that Russia wants to set. What I find interesting is, of course, they're trying to find the drone. Now, this is deep water, four to five thousand feet, according to General Mark Milley. But General Milley said yesterday that because it's four to 5,000 feet deep, we probably won't find uh, this drone. And it didn't seem like he was really even going to try to find the drone. 
Why wouldn't you try to find the truck? Where we blew up, or I mean, uh, <clears throat> where somebody blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Certainly not us. We would never do such a thing. Where somebody blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is pretty damn deep there in the sea in the north. So we obviously have the ability and the technology to go fairly deep into uh, the waters and conduct various exercises. Now, one would think you'd have $32 million, again, cheap by Pentagon standards, but still kind of expensive that you'd want to know where this equipment is. You'd think you would have some sort of homing beacon or what have you on this thing. Russia is certainly going to burn some calories trying to find it. Now, we know whether or not Russia has all the technology on this drone already, and so if they find it, they won't find out anything. Or if they don't, we absolutely should be down there looking for this damn thing. But it's just amazing to me how they don't seem to care. The Russians are trying to find this debris, and we aren't. I hope it's because we know that they already have everything on it, but I suspect that it might just be because the Biden administration, eh, they're using this incident for different purposes. They don't really care about national security, except insofar as it can be used to their benefit, which is terrifying, but wouldn't be all that surprising. So back to the vice president. Enough about drones. Let's go to the ultimate drone, Kamala Harris. Actually, the ultimate drone may well be Stephen Colbert. Um, he asked her, and it was a softball interview, and I watched the clips of it, and I thought, well, what can I get? What can I use? What? She doesn't say anything. Of course, when you are... This is the problem, and this is why when Joe Biden does do the rare interview, and you sit there and you go, well, the president did give an interview. What do you, why don't you use something from that? You go, well, because he didn't say anything. There was no serious question. It doesn't matter. You've got Stephen Colbert, uh, Stephen Colbert having the vice president of the United States. There's no discussion about the southern border. There's no discussion about the fentanyl crisis. There's nothing. There's the, the president of Mexico saying, yeah, we don't do anything with fentanyl down here. We don't have it. That's an American problem. And this is the guy that these people have praised. He's, oh, he's our partner. He's lovely. Shouldn't somebody ask them about this? But they don't go anywhere. They don't go within a country mile of anybody who would ask them that. So instead, you get them talking about the show Veep. I swear to God, Kamala Harris got more questions about the show Veep, which is about the vice presidency. It's a mockery of the vice presidency, only partially. But it's also been off the air for, what, five years? She gets a question about that. There was not a single question about the 110,000 Americans who died from fentanyl over last year. Not one. Because why? Because one of them, one of the questions tries to humanize. And this is what really is kind of funny. One of the questions makes the administration look bad. The other one tries to humanize the president. Have you noticed that it, it seems like it's only Democrats who have this problem? And what's, what's the problem I'm talking about? Where they go to give interviews that are described as an attempt to humanize them. <laughs> Isn't that a little bit weird for, look, you say what you want about Democrats. And boy, howdy, I will probably agree with most of what you say about Democrats. But 
I, I, I don't know what else they would be besides humans, right? Well, you know, trying to humanize them. She's too robotic. She's too. Joe Biden is too damn stupid. They need to humanize him. They're taking. He's viewed mostly as a tree stump, and now they're trying to humanize. It's always Democrats who they need to humanize. They're trying to humanize Barack Obama, and part of that is the the message the left tries to convey. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. The message the left tries to convey politically is they care. They care very deeply. They care very, very much. It hurts. It hurts how much they care. And you sit there and you you go, they don't really seem to act like they care. Their actions, their words, they tell you they care. Don't worry about somebody who just tells you they care. They should also show you they care by, I don't know, just doing things that are for the betterment of it. You know, if you tell your spouse you love them and you're going out and screwing around on them, they might have reason to doubt you because your actions are a little bit different. But if you tell them you love them and and or you just, you know, make sure that they eat, make sure that you clean up, make sure that the house is taken, then you, you kind of have a better case to make. You don't need to be humanized. You don't need to be husbandized. But Democrats always need to be humanized because they say, oh, we're the only ones who care very deeply about this, uh, the horrible tragedy of uh, family separation at the southern border. And then uh, nothing. nothing. You're trying to turn and find out they're still separating families at the southern border. Oh, we're putting children in cages. The Trump administration's putting children in cages. This off. And then you go, oh, wait, these pictures are from the Obama administration. But you know what? We hear there are still kids in cages. It's wrong. It's wrong no matter who does it, but it's super wrong when a Republican does it. That sort of thing. You do, humans who actually care don't, A, need to tell you they care, and B, don't need to be humanized, right? <laughs> I, 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 speaking as a human being, can assure you I do not need to be humanized. But so many Democrats do. And it's partially because they're robotic in their defense and they're, they're, they're also indifferent towards the suffering of real people. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrats need to be humanized right now a little bit. Why? Because East Palestine, Ohio, remember that place? Suddenly it's gone from the news. But East Palestine, Ohio is now a toxic waste dump. And the president of the United States has not gone there. He's mentioned it once, I think, only when asked. Well, maybe twice. First time was he has no plans to go there. And then the second time after that fell flat was, oh, I'll probably go there soon. But since it's not in the news anymore, that super fun site now that this, this administration created, he will likely not go there and he's not talking about it. But he cares. He cares deeply. He cares so much that he reluctantly and begrudgingly sent Secretary Mayor Pete Buttigieg there for 20 minutes so he could get out of Dodge and say, hey, I I checked that box. Stop talking to me about this. Democrats need humanizing because they act in such inhuman ways so often. They really do. They'll trot out. If you remember, you have no reason to remember this, but I do, back in 2004, when John Forbes Carey, future Secretariat of State, the horse-faced moron from Massachusetts, when he was the Democrat nominee, 
And by the way, John Edwards was his vice president. He was a total scumbag and everybody knew it, but nobody in the media bothered to report it. Uh, when John Kerry was the nominee, the convention that year for the Democrats featured the opening uh, with a whole bunch of home. I think there were four homeless veterans that were honor guards for the flags. They marched them in. Everybody stood. They held the flags for the national anthem. I think they had a drummer. and It was very, very... Uh, showy, homeless veterans carrying the flags of the United States. Then they took them off the stage and put them back on the street. <laughs> Just seriously, they did. They put them out. Okay, thank you. Thank you. For, maybe they gave them 100 bucks. And uh, that was it. That was it. They care very deeply. You can see why these people need to be humanized because it's not the way a normal person would operate. It's not the way a normal person would operate. It's not the way a good person would operate. But when you just view human beings as props, hey, man, don't worry about it. We got your prop. We're going to come in. We're going to take you down to the convention center. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And then, all right, we're done. Which street corner would you like to be dropped off on? Hmm? You can see why Democrats need to be humanized, which is why you can see why Kamala Harris ends up on Colbert. So she was asked, what is the job of vice president? People don't know what the job of vice president is. The Constitution does not define what the job of vice president is. The job of vice president, really, honestly, if you, um, it's either nothing or it's anything. You can just sit around and you, you I guess the only official job is you provide, preside over the Senate, which you really only preside over the Senate and have anything to do in the Senate if there's a tie in voting. Other than that, it doesn't matter. Listen to her try to describe it. Uh, there's a there's a uh, in the, one of the themes of the show is that her character, uh, Selena Meyer, is frustrated by the sometimes vague duties of the role. Like it's a it's a high constitutional office, but it's not prescribed so much about what you're supposed to be doing. Is, is that ring true? Like what is to, what is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it? Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States. <laughs> Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. But, and and was vice president. Right? Does that affect so, it? Does, does he understand what it's like to does, be a vice president? He does. <laughs> what is the job of a vice president? Oh, I have a job, the honor of being vice president of Joe Biden. Wow, that's okay. Not anywhere close to what I was asking about, but sure, yeah, it's a, that's a. I have the honor of making sure my job is to ensure that the sun rises in the east every day. Is there, is there a threat of uh, is not rising? No, but you know what? I don't. Well, the question was, uh, would you like fries with that? This is a Wendy's drive-through, man and vice president. Would you would you still like fries with that? You talk about non sequiturs. She wasn't done, though. Notice what you won't find is any description of what her job is. And he is 
He really is a true partner, and he understands the job. And remember, we came in during the height of the pandemic. Yes. And so, so much of the work was about, okay, we've got to cover a lot of bases, and let's figure out how between us we can do it. But he is um, an extraordinary leader, and I wish that people could see what I see, because uh, there's only one person who sits behind that resolute desk. And the decisions that that person has to make are the decisions that nobody else in the country can make. And he's an extraordinary leader. What you're hearing there, kids, is somebody desperately trying not to get booted off the ticket next year. Of course, again, if you're playing the home game, the question is, people don't know what the job of vice president is. What is the job of vice president? And you're hearing the person in the job, I would say doing the job of vice president, but in the job of vice president, essentially saying, I got no freaking idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a, 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 I just don't want to lose this job because it's the best. I can't go back to the Senate. They've already filled that seat. I am otherwise on unim- Well, actually, if you're a Democrat, you've got the golden parachute. But look, um, not everybody's going to get the kind of money that Biden got when he left the vice presidency. He was still at least considered tangentially a viable candidate again in the future, whereas Kamala Harris, not. She's wildly not liked. So the corporate offers will be there. She'll make a couple million dollars, but she won't make the tens of millions that Joe made. So she desperately doesn't want to lose the gig, and especially if she's booted off the ticket. Or if Joe loses next year and she's on the ticket, she will get the blame for it. So she's got to kiss butt like you wouldn't believe. All that being said, she still hasn't explained what the hell her job is. So The one time there's follow-up to anything from Stephen Colbert with a Democrat is this time when he goes, yeah, but still you didn't answer the question. That's an excellent excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president? (laughs) And your answer is part of the job, I'm guessing. Well, you know, my job is to do, I mean, for example, I'll tell you, um, I was recently in Munich at the Munich Security Conference. And... um, And the job there was to stand up, and as you know, most of my career I spent as a prosecutor, and I declared that um, we, the United States of America, believe that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. (laughs) God, these, these people are so stupid. It is unbelievable. How dumb these people are. They are. I'm not talking about Kamala and Colbert, although they are. I'm talking about the audience. You heard that? It was like an amen choir. It was like, it was like uh, Sunday morning in a Baptist church. Yes, yes. Can I get an amen? Yes, you can. Yes, amen, amen. What is, what, what is your job? Well, I went to the Munich conference and I said, as you know, because I was a prosecutor, uh, yeah, you put uh, more black men away than Bull Connor did on... Uh, Marijuana charges. Congratulations. Um, I was a prosecutor, and I I went there, and I said that uh, Russia, uh, we believe Russia has committed uh, crimes against humanity. Oh, wow. Really? You mean you courageously 
stood up in front of an audience of people who agree with you and said something upon which everybody agrees? Are you okay from that? Have you recovered? You mean you repeated what your administration and pretty much every newspaper editorial board and every politician really in this country, not just Democrats, have said repeatedly? You did that? Why, you are exactly the same as the guy who was walking home with his groceries in Tiananmen Square back in 1989 and stood up in front of that tank. My God, Kamala, is there anything I could do? Is there a part of your body that is aching and in need of some sort of massage therapy? Because I have to bow down before you. You, It's like Hillary Clinton. How long, to this day, you still hear this clip. Hillary Clinton dined out forever on in like 1994 or 96 or 98. It was one of those midterm year, one of those election year things. She went to the UN summit somewhere. It might have even been in China. And she said, women's rights are human rights. I know you've heard that clip. Women's rights are human rights. And the crowd went wild. And you're sitting there going, okay, great. I suppose, yeah, there are some nations that need that. And China certainly isn't super friendly, well, to anybody, really. But, you know, if you want to make a case that they're not friendly to women back then, the the one-child policy, it's a weird argument for a Democrat to make because they're arguing that abortion is wrong or forced abortion is wrong. And then you get into the, the, the argument that maybe they couldn't make and that abortion is wrong under any circumstances. Now they don't even try to argue that abortion is wrong under any circumstances. But if you really wanted to make that argument, wouldn't you, I don't know, make it in the Middle East? But to this day, she said, I went there and I stood up and I said that women's rights are human rights. And you have to think, who didn't? honestly think that women's rights are human rights who did who's sitting there going no they're not they're not women aren't human beings nobody who heard it and anybody living in a country where that uh, women's rights are not human rights ideal is practiced is going to live in a country where the media is so controlled they would never hear of it so ultimately hillary clinton was saying this worthless platitudinal line to the united states of america for the domestic consumption of feminists so that they would then in turn vote for her husband, the guy who treated interns like humidors and slept with everybody they possibly could and used his position to secure women. Yes, women's rights are human rights, and humans should be forced into having relations with my husband. Not quite as bad, uh, not as quite, Kamala isn't quite as bad as Hillary, but she's not that far, not that far. And both of them are excellent, excellent, excellent at spewing worthless platitudes. Ah, uh, Democrats. Now we turn our attention to the other half of the uh, Kamala Harris family. Kamala Harris's husband is a guy named Doug Emhoff. They married late in life. Doug Emhoff was a divorcee. There was a time. Remember, you watch a TV show from the 70s. It's hilarious to me how much things have changed. I, I, the 60s as well. 60s less so because you weren't really allowed to talk about this stuff. But from the mid-70s, I guess, because people don't realize that Mrs. Brady, Ma Brady, no, Mrs. Brady, Florence Henderson, her character was divorced. 
Mr. Brady, Mike Brady was a widower. His his first wife died. They don't ever say how. And his kids, the boys, handle that remarkably well. They don't they don't seem to be bothered by mom not being around from a very young age at all. They don't give a damn. But uh, Mrs. Brady is divorced, which means that the father of the girls is just the worst dad ever. Just uh, he never once visited him, didn't seem to fight for custody and uh, just said, you know what, Mike, you want to adopt them? They're yours. You can have them. I just get rid of them. Fooey, which, you know, there are some people out there who are horrible parents to that extent, but um, I don't know. They usually discover that they're a total D-bag scumbag after one kid, maybe two, not three, but all right, whatever. But if you watch shows from the 70s and the early 80s, every once in a while it comes up that somebody's a divorcee. Usually it's about a woman is a divorcee. And the guys are always like, woo-hoo-hoo, it's hot to trot. Can you divorcee? Like they've had sex before, and once somebody has sex, why, that's out of control. Every woman turns into a nymphomaniac. The 70s were a very different time. That's just my observation of it now When I, because I do have a fascination with uh, old, old TV reruns, just to, not because they're good, but because they're so bad they're good. That they're so, it's, I don't know, it's like what I'd imagine if I went and lived with an Amish family for a year. Like that's, it's like visiting a different time. It's the closest thing we'll get to time travel. Anyway, Doug Emhoff is a divorcee. So Camilla was just dating. And uh, it obviously that she wasn't a chaste woman by the fact that she got her start in politics because she uh, was the side piece of prominent Democratic politician in San Francisco, Willie Brown. Yeah. Look it up. Don't don't go too deep into the Google searches because I imagine a lot of porn will come up. But uh, you, know, you can find out the truth about that pretty easily. So while Kamala was over there talking to Stephen Colbert, Doug Emhoff was talking to Simone Sanders. Good old Simone Sanders. She used to be Kamala Harris. I think she was Kamala Harris's white right hand. She was the communications director or what have you. Now she's on CNN. Now she's got a show on CNN that is, I don't know. I don't know that anybody watches it. I don't even know that it's a regular show. I think this was part of the nine o'clock hour where they just go, we don't have a host. We Our talent sucks. We're going to just do specials. So Simone Sanders is sitting down with Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman. Can you remember anything, any time? I don't even know what Mike Pence's wife was na- is named. When Mike Pence's wife was interviewed, maybe when the daughter came out with a book, or it just wasn't a time when Mike Pence's wife was interviewed that I can think of. Even by Fox, Fox wasn't out there going, "We got to get that hot interview with whoever Mike Pence's wife is." But because the media is so leftist, they try to just elevate everybody as so wonderful. So look, every Democrat is perfect. Every Democrat is perfect. There were one, maybe two interviews, maybe, with Melania Trump during the Trump administration. No magazine covers for this beautiful former model. 
but Jill Biden, you got to take a chisel and film her through cheesecloth and then maybe airbrush the hell out of it. Photoshop was invented for Jill and she gets the cover of every magazine and she still looks like crap. She still looks like crap. And she's dumb as a box of rocks, but she's Dr. Jill Biden, Dr. Biden, Dr. Biden. You sit there and you go, what the hell? A little bit of a discrepancy. So keep that in mind as you hear the second gentleman talk to Simone Sanders. What does he talk about? He's talking about issues. It's weird. The person who's elected to office, his wife, Kamala, goes on in uh, Colbert and gets really no questions about policy in any discernible way. Nothing. Nothing controversial. Nothing even interesting for the left-wing base. But her husband goes on, you want to talk about sexism. Her husband goes on CNN and gets policy questions. He doesn't have a damn thing to do with policy. Do you really think these people talk about policy all day long? They, they are in 100% agreement. There is no dissent in the Borg. You don't need to have a discussion about, so what do you really think about this Dobbs? No, there's nothing. It's like, it's bad. It's bad. I wish I were having an abortion right now. Kamala, you're uh, in your 60s and uh, childless. You want to talk about abortion in a more personal way? No, I don't. I'm not implying. Well, I am implying something. I don't know. Anyway, Doug Emhoff was asked about all this stuff, and he did talk about abortion. But before we get to abortion, he makes... See, Doug Emhoff is Jewish. This is why he'll get a pass. He shouldn't get a pass because he wasn't really making something that was anti-Semitic, although he was cheapening the Holocaust by attacking, by using the Holocaust to attack parents, not conservatives, to attack parents who don't like men grinding their crotches dressed up as women in children's faces. The drag queen story hour who don't want books like Gender Queer to be in their school libraries. Like the parents don't want that. They went to school board meetings and expressed their disgust at this, being in elementary school libraries, expressed their disgust at teachers trying to convince kids that, hey, man, there's no such thing as you can be any gender you want. If you feel weird, are you sure you're really a girl? You might be a boy. You might be a not, nothing. You might be in between. They're disgusted by teachers doing that. None of their business. All the while not teaching them how to read or do math. Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman of the United States, compares parents who go to and went to school board meetings and expressed their disgust at the current state of the education system with the people who committed the Holocaust. Listen to this to talk about how we can combat hate and anti-Semitism. I also met some Ukrainian refugees who were there, uh, and we need to support them. And I met one woman who was saved in the Holocaust in Germany, settled in Ukraine, and is now a refugee again back in Berlin, where she originally left as a, as a Jew in the Holocaust. So you can't, these are the stories that are happening out there. And so, this stuff is so important. This hate is interconnected. You see it in the discourse in the country right now. You see it in the, in the divide that we have. And that. Just going to 
the school meeting, you see that, that hate that is out there. We've got to step up and speak out, and we've got to call out the cowards out there. People, as my wife likes to say, these so-called leaders, but she's right. Because you can't be in leadership if you're not going to lead. You can't be in leadership if you're not going to lead. Wow, that's deep. And now, Deep Thoughts with Doug Emhoff. But, you catch it in there? Well, you know, people, you see this hate. you got to be careful about this hate and the Holocaust, this hate. You see it in these school board meetings? Really, dude? Really? I don't want a five-year-old learning about oral sex, gay, straight, or whatever, and that is somehow akin to the Holocaust? I'm not a Jew. Doug Emhoff is a Jew, and he gets a lot of mileage out of that by claiming the victim card and attacks on him are anti-Semitism. But that sure seems to me like you're cheapening the Holocaust there, Doug, doesn't it? Maybe I'm just wildly insensitive. I've been called worse, and accurately so. But I don't think so in this case. I think that this is really kind of sick. But this is the democratic modus operandi, their M.O. They don't engage on issues. Notice he doesn't talk about what has gotten so many parents upset at these school board meetings. He just paints everybody with a br- the same brush, a broad brush, which is bigotry. Hey, you're, you're just like you, father. You're a white nationalist. Really? That father right there that was arrested in uh, Fairfax County, Virginia, his daughter was raped in the bathroom. And the school covered it up. The school board covered it up. You don't think he's uh, right to be a little pissed off about that, Doug? You want to tell me that that father is essentially responsible, the same type of person who's responsible for the Holocaust, Doug? Do you want to tell everybody that? Is that what you're doing? That's what he's doing. Of course, if you pointed that out, he'd go, well, no, I'm obviously not talking about that. I'm talking about another thing. That's what he said. You're going to believe your lying ears? That's who these people are. This is who the Democrats are. There's no discussion anymore. You hear this all the time on any issue. It doesn't matter. They go, well, just like Colbert. People are upset with this. Well, nobody. There's like maybe seven people upset with this in all of Manhattan. Eight million people living there. There There's seven mutants out front because it's their job. They work for an environmentalist group. They were assigned to go down and picket your show. And, you know, people are upset about this. Really? You got an email. Whoa. But when people genuinely are upset over it, I promise you if Doug Enhoff's weirdo daughter with the hairy armpits and the unibrow who's now got a modeling contract only because her stepmom is vice president of the United States and they want to reward Democrats. If she had been raped at school, I promise you Doug Emhoff would have would have had a problem with that. Well, I guess I I can't promise you that Doug Emhoff would have had a problem with that. Maybe he wouldn't have had a problem with that. Maybe he's a horrible, horrible parent. I don't know. Maybe Kamala Harris would have had a problem with that. But again, I don't know for sure. It's not her kid. It was never her kid. And the mother is still alive. She's ignored by the media, and Kamala Harris sort of implied that Kamala Harris has kids, which she doesn't really have kids. They were adult children. They were adults when uh, Kamala and Doug got married, but that's beside the point. It's just a peek inside the mind of the left. 
if you do not, if you are not one of them, you are the enemy. It doesn't matter if you are not 100% on board with them. So I guarantee you a lot of parents are like, you know what? I don't like the, the, the graphic depictions, the drawings in this book of sex in a seventh grade library. I don't like that. You, they hate you. They hate you. If you think, hey, you know what? I'm not going to give my 10-year-old puberty blockers or hormones or genital mutilation surgery just because he picked up a Barbie doll. No, we're going to let this play out. No, you're a problem. You're the monster. You're responsible for the Holocaust. Meanwhile, speaking of Holocausts, Good old Doug has some thoughts on abortion as well. Why? Because of course he does. Now, I was told reliably that men should not talk about this issue. Maybe Doug identifies as a woman. That would explain why he doesn't wear any pants in his family. But I guess if you're, a, you're not allowed to have an opinion on this issue if you're a man and you're pro-life or if you're a woman and you're pro-life. It's just everybody agree with us or shut up. It's totally unacceptable. And now, of course... We hear the stories. We're in Texas, and you know, I met a woman at the State of the Union who was here in Texas, which is one of those states that is trying to roll back not only abortion rights but voting rights and what you can read and what you can think. It's totally unacceptable. And this woman was having a miscarriage, and she sought emergency care, and she was denied that care because of this reprehensible Dobbs decision, and she almost died of sepsis. Thank God she was saved, but there's thousands of those stories right now because of the consequence, and I would say intended consequences. This is all about power. This is all about beating people down, especially women. And it, it can't stand. It cannot stand. It cannot stand. The intended consequence, i.e., pro-lifers want women to die. That's what it is. Poor woman. She only escaped from the mob because some doctor took pity on her. Why don't you name this person, Doug? And oh, by the way, this is one of the things that the left absolutely loves and lies about. And you heard him right there, little Dougie. He um, talks about, well, they want to tell you which books you can and can't read. That's not true at all. There's one group of people in this country who actively try to get books banned and have gotten books banned, at least temporarily from places like Amazon. The book Irreversible Damage about trans surgery is uh, one such example that was booted from Amazon for a very long time. Abigail Schreier's book about the uh, detransitioning and the butchering of children's bodies. The left successfully got that book booted from Amazon for months. Then eventually Amazon reversed course. Of course, after they damaged, they couldn't damage sales completely, but because it raised the profile of the book. But that's not what conservatives, that's not what Republicans are doing. They're saying they don't want these books in school libraries. No one is saying these books should be banned. See, Democrats want books actually banned. They don't like the idea in books like irreversible damage. They don't want people to have access to the thoughts contained in the pages of it and so they want the book banned from everybody you want your kid to learn how to perform oral sex at the age of five 
on a man, you can buy that genderqueer book on Amazon. Nobody's calling for it to be banned. They don't want it in their school library. They don't want it on their teacher's desk. They don't want it read as part of a classroom assignment. That is the difference. If you're too damned obtuse to understand that difference, Doug, then maybe you're responsible for the Holocaust or something. I mean, let's just use your rhetoric, okay? Can we do that? I think we should. The uh, So we've heard from the for a vice president and the vice president's wife or husband sorry you could see how i could make that mistake listening to those clips now i want to go to the former president this is one of the things look donald trump has a a tough road ahead of him if he wants to become grover cleveland part two and be the only person elected president and re-elected president two non-consecutive terms that's grover cleveland did it Donald Trump is vying to do it, and he may well do it. Who knows? It's far too early to to know or really get worked up about it because so much can happen in the next year and a half. That being said, the left is terrified that Donald Trump could return to politics, and they are doing everything they can to poison the well as much as they can. Now, thankfully, they don't have much influence in general, but the people they have influence over, they do have influence over. So the uh, story out of New York this week that the Manhattan district attorney is probably, now this we've heard probably for a thousand times about this president, but he's probably going to indict Donald Trump on some sort of crime. It's really unclear. It's some sort of campaign finance violation that Donald Trump, the reimbursed Michael Cohen for the $130,000 that Michael Cohen gave to Stormy Daniels to keep her mouth shut about her not keeping her mouth shut, whatever it was, her leg shut, I don't know. Donald, it's pretty clear that Donald Trump had uh, at least one time had sex with Stormy Daniels, the porn star. At least one. I don't think anybody's alleging there was anything more than just one time. It was a one-off thing. Because why else would you pay somebody $130,000? That being said, I don't care. I never voted for Donald Trump thinking, well, this is the moral leader that I want to hold up as an example for my children. Not at all. Not at all. I thought this guy's not Hillary Clinton, and I just do not want Hillary Clinton to be president of the United States. She's awful and will do serious damage. And you... It's evidenced by Hillary Clinton in a suit, not a pantsuit, but Joe Biden. He's doing essentially what Hillary Clinton would have done, and it's awful. Thank God we had the Trump administration in between to sort of uh, prepare and build up a strong economy before the Democrats came in and started ruining it again. That being said, is it against the law... If you reimburse somebody, if you pay a bribe by proxy, I don't know. I also know I don't care. I also know it's not a big deal. And most people would look at this and go, this is a ridiculous thing. If your friend or your employee pays $130,000 to keep some porn star you slept with secret, keep her mouth shut. And then you pay them back so there's no direct paper trail from you to the porn star to keep their mouth shut. 
is that an in-kind campaign contribution or is it just a friend say, you know, look, buddy, uh, I left my wallet at home. You pick up this check. Look, you do this. I want plausible deniability, not for my campaign. Because I don't think Donald Trump wanted plausible deniability for his campaign. I don't think he thought anybody, like everybody knows that Donald Trump has cheated on his wives. Maybe we didn't know about cheating on Melania, but we knew he cheated on Ivanka, or uh, what's her name? Ivanka's the daughter. Whatever. Ivana. Ivana Trump. We knew that he cheated on Ivana Trump with at least Marla Maples. Probably a whole bunch more. And we know he cheated on Marla Maples because he was pretty open about it. So if he would, if you do that regularly, you clearly don't have a problem with doing that regularly. Therefore, the the only governor you have on your behavior is you just have decided not to do that anymore. And I doubt that once you do that, you're going to stop doing that. I don't think you're ever going to say, you know what, I was wrong. Because he never said, you know what, I was wrong. But again, I don't care. He's not running for Pope. He didn't get my vote for Pope. He would never get my vote for Pope. But he would get my vote for president and did get my vote for president. But Democrats are trying to criminalize that. They tried to scandalize it and it didn't matter. Nobody cared for the reasons I just articulated. So now they're trying to criminalize it. They're saying Michael Cohen actually... Uh, Donald Trump conspired with Michael Cohen to violate campaign finance laws. Now, I don't know how that works. This is the best my understanding about it uh, as somebody who doesn't really care about it because, like I said, I didn't expect him to be faithful to his wife. But if you... They're arguing that the $130,000 that Donald Trump repaid Michael Cohen for paying Stormy Daniels was actually a campaign contribution that made Michael Cohen's $130,000 a campaign contribution. Whereas the Trump people are arguing, no, he was just trying to avoid embarrassment and embarrassing his family, which is a, a plausible argument to make. I don't, I don't see where the crime is at least the legal crime. The moral crime obviously is right there in the affair, but the legal crime, I don't see where it is. So Good Morning America is trying to, they're desperately trying to make this into some kind of story. They want an indictment. They don't seem to care what the indictment is for. They've tried everything, and grand juries have not indicted him. They've looked at it, and grand juries in places where Donald Trump is is not looked upon favorably, and they still haven't indicted him because the grand juries look at this and go this is this is a pretty weak ass case you got here we don't know what they're going to do in new york but here's the good morning america story on this we're going to the latest now in the investigations into former president trump his former attorney and fixer michael cohen testified yesterday before a grand jury here in new york signaling the case is close to completion aaron katerski is tracking the case good morning aaron George, good morning. Michael Cohen's testimony came as former President Trump campaigned in Iowa, undaunted by the possibility of criminal charges here. Cohen testified for about three hours and will come back tomorrow to answer more questions about the $130,000 he paid to porn actress Stormy Daniels on behalf of former President Trump. Cohen has said the payment, the hush payment, weeks before the 2016 election amounted to an illegal campaign donation. An attorney for Trump has said it was meant to protect his family from embarrassment. 
<laughs> they don't. They don't. Cohen says, oh, Cohen, you know, the guy. I love how the Cohen is this. He's uh, Donald Trump's former attorney and fixer. Fixer. Well, why? Because mob guys have fixed. They're always trying to imply that somebody is a fix. Nobody has described any attorney for, say, Bill Clinton as a fixer. Have they? George Stephanopoulos would have had the job as fixer, part of one of the fixers jobs for Bill Clinton. His his job was to handle the bimbo eruptions. Him and Hillary had to smear the women they knew that Bill had slept with because the alternative was to admit the truth that Bill Clinton was a scumbag. But Michael Cohen was a fixer. He's a fixer. You mean he's a lawyer who does the job of a lawyer, which is to do the bidding of their client within the bounds of the law. If there was something outside the bounds of the law, Michael Cohen needs to explain why that was, how that was. He doesn't. He can't. It was an illegal campaign contribution to himself. He's allowed to give as much money as he wants to himself. It's an illegal campaign contribution. Really? How? If it was from his personal funds, how? Because it would embarrass him? Well, I promise you, like everything that, uh, if you're running for president of the United States, everything you do could be under this weird bastardized definition of campaign contribution, be conceived of as a campaign contribution. If you are running for president of the United States and you're paying your mortgage, is that suddenly because you violate, is that an illegal campaign contribution? They probably think that's absurd, but if a candidate running for president of the United States or any office did not pay their mortgage, would that not be a scandal and damage their campaign, their candidacy? So then how is this any different? Sleeping with a porn star while married to another woman is not against the law. It's ill-advised, but it's not against the law. So there's nothing illegal that they're trying to cover up. They're just trying to say the payment is. Yet they have demonstrated. And again, I know Trump fans are going to sit there and be gritting their teeth together, but tough. It's the truth, okay? He's not Pope. He has paid other women in the past that he has slept with to keep quiet about sleeping with him. That's what you do when you've got a ton of money and screw around on your wife. You go, oh, well, that was, is this person trustworthy? I don't know. Just to be sure, go give them some money to make sure that they don't say anything. So he's got a demonstration that he's done this before. I don't see how it suddenly becomes a campaign issue unless all you care about is getting Donald Trump. All you care about is getting the indictment. And realistically... That's all these people care about is getting Donald Trump and getting the indictment. I don't know if these Democrats, I don't know. There's a possibility that like Democrats meddled in the, uh, the primaries in the 2022 election and boosted up a lot of candidates, a lot of candidates that Donald Trump endorsed because they thought they were easier to defeat. And it turns out they were. There's a possibility that Democrats will involve themselves in the primary this time around who knows the question is do you think they want to damage donald trump because this isn't going to damage donald trump in the eyes of the people who are going to vote for him this might cause a rallying around the flag for donald trump 
and do damage to Ron DeSantis by proxy and all the other candidates by proxy, by accident, or not by accident, but really by design. That, I suspect, is at play here for some of these people, to be honest with you. Speaking of what, to these people, uh, we do have Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was on, like I said, the media is desperately trying to make this into something. Michael Cohen was on CNN this morning on their low, low-rated morning show with Don Lemon. You almost feel bad for Michael Cohen. I, I don't know why. If you want to make a strike against Donald Trump and all of this stuff, my biggest problem with Donald Trump is that he ever employed Michael Cohen as a lawyer. I don't think he ever really did much legal work for him because I think Michael Cohen's not particularly bright. But that anybody would employ Michael Cohen as an attorney, even as a, a so-called fixer, seems pretty that's where i question their character and their ability but michael cohen was on cnn michael cohen has turned his life over to the anti-trump forces and is desperate to he's got a podcast he's trying to sell books he's no longer a lawyer he can't be a lawyer not because of anything he did for trump but because he was really convicted and, and in trouble for a scam he tried to pull in the city involving taxicab medallions. It's just way too complicated to get into, but they're wildly expensive in New York. That was his major crime. But he can't practice law anymore for it, so he's practicing being a liberal tool. Here he is on CNN. Well, I met with the DA's office 20 times for interviews and then two times for grand jury. Why are you cooperating so fully? Because that was the pledge that I made when... I stood before Judge William H. Pauley and I said that I will cooperate. And I didn't need a 5K1 agreement. I wasn't part of any cooperation agreement. Democracy is more important than anything. And I know it sounds hokey, but my goal is to ensure that truth comes out and that truth to power is told. (laughs) Again, you can see why I wouldn't hire that guy to represent me in traffic court. But I love it uh, because democracy, democracy is so important. Democracy is dependent upon whether or not Donald Trump paid off a porn star for sex. Okay, that anybody paid off? Really? This is it? Why are you coming forth now? Because that was the pledge that I made. Why don't you just say it was part of my plea agreement? Because that's what it was. It was part of my plea agreement. I didn't need a plea agreement, although I got a plea agreement, to testify. I got less time than I otherwise would have. Because I promised to cooperate to try to get Donald Trump. And I'm bringing nothing. This is the best I got. I'm bringing to the top. I, I was the middleman in, in paying off a porn star. This is CNN. This is Michael Cohen. This is the best they've got on Donald Trump. Something everybody who didn't even know it, just assumed, one second they heard it goes, yeah, that probably, probably happened. Still don't see where the crime is, at least the legal crime. God, these people are pathetic. Now I want to shift gears to the trans. I know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the trans issue again. You've got to keep up with what the enemy is doing, the absurdity of it. And you've got to kind of be amazed and saddened for humanity that you can look at the absurdity of what the left is involved in and see that it's not really making much of a difference. You're just saddened for humanity that you sit there and you go, Democrats are really arguing that uh, children in kindergarten should be getting scenes of, uh, like sketches, cartoon drawings of sexual encounters between two men or sexual encounters between a boy and a man. That's what gender queer is. And I don't know. Democrats are fighting against that, right? No, no, Democrats are fighting for that. They want it. 
Republicans are fighting against it. Oh, because Republicans ban books. No, Republicans want you to be able to buy that book if you want to. You should, for your kid, if you're a weirdo, they might want to look at you a little bit if you look into your background and make sure your kid's okay if you're buying that stuff for your kid. But they don't want to ban the book. They just say we shouldn't be putting this in schools. All right. We shouldn't be putting it in classrooms. It should not be used as part of classroom discussion. You know, the perverted idea that there are six trillion genders and uh, pronouns are whatever words you want to be called. And everybody must respect that. And you know what? The second you declare yourself to be some sort of weird trans something or other, we should swoop in. The medical community should swoop in with all sorts of procedures, needles and just do a Joseph Mengele on you and just experiment on you. Go ahead, give it, just inject it. This will stop your your uh, puberty. What else will it do? I don't know. It'll, I guess we'll find out together in 20 years. But at least this will stop your puberty. You, as a 12-year-old, have made a life-altering decision that you never want to have children, right? Right? Uh, you would never, no 12-year-old would ever make a wrong decision, right? You can't smoke a cigarette. You can't drink a beer. You can't serve in the military, but boy, how do you can make life-altering changes to your body forever and ever and ever. If you can do that, and I'm not advocating this, but I'll play devil's advocate for a second. If you can, if you say an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old is absolutely 100% capable, mature enough to make a decision about their, their body that's forever, you know, to be altered and your gender, whatever, forever, and they can make that decision, then what's the justification for throwing, uh, it's always a male teacher who goes to jail, usually for a long period of time, for having sex with a student? What is the justification for that? I realize it's an absurd argument. Pedophilia is different from this. But if you are saying that you can, a 12-year-old can consent to body mutilation, permanent body mutilation, then why couldn't a 12-year-old consent to sexual intercourse with a teacher? Not advocating for it, just asking the question. Of course, logically, there's no difference. But we're not dealing with logic here. We're dealing with politically. Here, we're dealing with Democrats here. They do not have standards. They will not have standards, and they refuse to have standards. They're gross people, as evidenced here by the Minnesota lieutenant governor, a woman named Peggy Flanagan. There's a bill in Minnesota that they're, you know, maybe saying that boys are boys and girls are girls, and uh, while their kids don't perform sexual experiments on them, and Democrats are, of course, pushing for, we should be allowed to sexually experiment on everything. The, those docs at Dachau were on to something. They just went in the wrong direction. They should have really been trying to work on changing gender, even though all of science disavows what those Nazis did. Now all of now the Nazis have taken over science, and they're going, you know what, let's open up the Mengele files. Seriously, it's maybe only just a little bit of hyperbole. Well, Peggy Flanagan gave a speech at a rally for trans whatever, who cares, and uh, said the following. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving health care. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them.
that's what it means to be a good parent. That's what it means to be a good parent. So when your kid declares themselves to be royalty, I suppose you immediately apply for admission to the United Nations. You apply to the State Department to try and get uh, the country recognition. You can have complete and total sovereignty tell the government that you're removing itself from particularly the tax code. And you then have, you, you yourself are royalty because you can't. Royalty isn't like spontaneous combustion. Royalty just doesn't pop out of nowhere. There are certain things that are inherited by royalty through birthright. So if your child, if my daughters declare themselves to be princesses, it is true. It is true, damn it. And therefore, I demand tribute from other people, from everybody, from all these leftists and what have you. I demand that... uh, the government set up some sort of trade agreement. Actually, you know what? I want foreign aid. I want federal foreign aid. The U.S. government gives foreign aid to all these other countries. Why not give some to the nation of my daughters? Oh, if your kid declares themselves to be an astronaut, not that they want to be an astronaut, but that they are an astronaut, well, then you need to get on the horn to NASA. Or otherwise, you're a bad parent. So you can see why the left is such a bad parent such bad parents so awful at this that they indulge their kids in these sorts of things and you can see how this sort of thing ended up going from a rounding error that nobody noticed in the population to now you know what is it 20 percent of millennials go on trans because their worthless parents indulged them on every step of the way and everything along the line is oh yes no billy you're special you're wonderful you're the most you're the most special you're the greatest you're the wonder thing blah 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 really billy's getting d's in school billy has no friends billy's insufferable to be around billy is like that kid in uh, the western kid from the united states in willy wonka and the chocolate factory he's just horrible i can't even remember the kid's name but horrible horrible or he's Augustus Gloop or Veruca Salt. All these horrible things. This is what happens when you indulge your children. Now imagine a generation of participation ribbons raised by a generation of people with participation ribbons all over the place. So you compound as participation ribbons squared. And you get what? You get this level of insufferability. You get this level of just horrible, horrible people indulging their kids now sooner or later their kids are going to wise up and they're going to recognize that their bodies have been butchered and that pieces have been cut off and chemicals have been put into them and they're never going to be able to have children they're going to eventually some of this could lead to serious pain physical pain and they're going to blame their parents why because it will be their parents fault parents are supposed to be their defense instead the parents are the enablers children will end up hating their parents, a good percentage of them, a good chunk of them, a lot, I would say a majority. I'd say a near uh, unanimity. And they'll deserve it. They will deserve it. But this the leftist stupidity knows no bounds on this issue. We go to Canada, our neighbor to the north. Oh, Canada. They make good beer. They produce some funny people, and they gave us Pamela Anderson. That's about it. Really, it's been a kind of a drag ever since. They elected Fidel Castro's illegitimate son as their prime minister. 
and he has been oppressing Canadians. And it's amazing to me that you know, we'll seize their bank accounts if they speak out against the government in a way we don't like. And so many Canadians go, good for them. It tells you how uh, metastasized progressivism has become in society and culture up in Canada and in the United States, by the way. Speaking of metastasized, they have something called the Canadian Cancer Society. And you can go to the Canadian Cancer Society. It's cancer.ca. Canada Canada doesn't want to use those .com things. They .ca their websites because the government wants control over them. And Canada, for a country that really doesn't produce much, do anything, or can't even win a Stanley Cup most of the time in a game they invented, really, really loves itself. It's a lot. It's a Napoleonic complex. Having grown up across the river from Canada and watched a lot of CBC, particularly during the Olympics, you would think, my God, the world loves curling and Canada dominates at curling and therefore Canada rules, whereas most of the rest of the world goes, do we have anybody who plays curling? Can we? All right. You guys want to be on the Olympic team? All right. You you're on the Olympic. Congratulations. You're the curling team. Canada takes their their wins very seriously. It's like a pro team beating up a bunch of junior high school kids. Mike Tyson fighting a five-year-old. And Mike Tyson then knocking the kid unconscious and going, yeah, I'm back, I'm the greatest, I'll tell you whatever. Nobody's going to stop and stand in my way. That kind of thing. That's what Canada is. They celebrate the small victories. But they are um, also insane leftists in institutions up there. So at cancer.ca, they you can find out information. Look, if you... Uh, Want to get cancer screening? You need to make plans up in Canada because it takes a long time to get cancer screening because they're rationed care through socialized medicine. So good on you, Canada. But you can go to their website and you can find out early screening information for cancer. And they even have screening in the LGBTQ community. They do. And they have frequently asked questions up there. And the frequently asked questions are usually questions that nobody really asks. It's more the activists preemptively trying to start conversations, and they did. Under the screening for the LGBTQ communities, they have the following question. As a trans woman, do I need to get screened for cervical cancer? Now, I'm going to let you pick your jaw up off the floor and stop laughing for a second. Get your breath back. Again, that question is, as a trans woman, do I need to get screened for cervical cancer? Now, okay, you can make an argument that you got to look, given all the garbage that's in the media, you probably should answer that question because someone's going to be dumb enough to ask it. As somebody without a cervix, do I have to worry about cervical cancer? No, no, you don't. Most people would say we shouldn't have to answer that question, but given the state of public education, even in Canada... You got to ask. So here's their answer, though, because they don't just say, uh, no, you don't have a cervix. <laughs> they have a f one, two, three, four, five paragraph answer, as a matter of fact. It reads, start quote, if you're a trans woman, meaning man, if you're a trans woman, you may not have given much thought to pap tests and cervical cancer. And if you haven't, that makes a fair amount of sense. A fair amount of not complete sense, just a fair amount of sense. After all, in order to get cervical cancer, you need to have a cervix. Hey, well, that should be the end of it. That is the organ that connects the vagina to the uterus. If you're a trans woman and have not had bottom surgery, you aren't at risk for cervical cancer. So that doesn't matter. It, it's whether or not you should be screened. 
you don't, you're not at risk for it doesn't mean you shouldn't be screened. You want the full woman experience. If, however, and this is where it gets really stupid. If, however, stupid, dumber. If, however, you're a trans woman who has had bottom surgery to create a vagina, parentheses, vaginoplasty, and possibly a cervix. It's not a cervix. Cervix is a very specific thing. There's a very small risk that you can develop cancer in the tissue of your neo-vagina or neo-cervix. The risk depends on the type of surgery you had and the type of tissue used to create your vagina and cervix and your personal health history. Talk to your health care provider to figure out, or I guess I'll do it in Canadian accent, talk to your health care provider to figure out your specific cancer screening needs as part of your overall pelvic health following surgery. It can be difficult to make cancer screening a priority, especially when there's not a lot of information out there about cervical cancer risk for trans women because trans women are men. You may also be concerned about things like experiencing transphobia during the screening process. It always Transphobia is a misused word. It's trans. I don't want anything to do with it. It's not phobia. I'm not afraid of these people. I just go, you're crazy, and I want nothing to do with it. Trans indifference. Maybe you feel more... Uh, maybe you feel you have more pressing health concerns. Yeah, like uh, testicular cancer or prostate cancer maybe a more pressing concern. Or maybe you just don't want to think about cancer, cancer screenings. Still, it's important to take care of your health by getting the cancer screening you need. Yes, like testicular cancer screening, or maybe if you remove them, prostate cancer screening. Screenings means checking for cancer before there are any symptoms. Here's the bottom line. If you're a trans woman who's had bottom surgery, discuss your personal risk for cancer in your neovagina or neo... If you have all these prefixes for these things, then I tell you you're a trans woman. Well, then you're not a woman. You're a trans... Trans women are women. Then why do you use the prefix trans? If you have a vagina, why are you using neo-vagina, right? Neo. Neocon is not a conservative. It's neo means not. Neo-vagina means it's not a vagina. Neo-cervix means it's not a cervix, right? Uh, have a discussion with your health care provider and come up with a plan for your cancer screening that works for you. In other words, just go through the motions. Canada will now, they've already had backlogs on cancer screening and cancer treatment for Canadians. And women who suffer from cervical cancer, they need cervical cancer screening. There's a there's a wait time in socialized medicine to get these, and then you get the results, and then you got to wait to see it. The faster you get the process going, the better off you are. The higher your chance of survival is. But now they're gonna muck up the beginning, the line, make it longer, because they're gonna put dudes in there. Why? Because they want to make sure that everybody has feelings their feelings are okay like these little fragile little eggshell people are walking around going no we can't don't offend the trans person inconvenience everybody else risk the lives of everybody else bastardize the reality of everybody force everybody else to comply because these little fragile little snowflakes they're going to be upset if you don't pretend that they could get this this cervical cancer no I refuse. We should refuse as a civilization, as a society, under any circumstances, to accept this crap. It's damaging and it's dangerous and it hurts hurts people. 
It really hurts people, not their feelings. And if you're so fragile, if your psyche is so fragile, you're going to be emotionally damaged forever by somebody acknowledging that you're really a man. It's going to happen. Something else is going to offend you and send you over the edge. Forgive me if I don't care, because I don't. I can't. Just as we we wrap up for today, I, I can't reiterate enough how damaging these people are to children's lives and how indifferent they are to the prospect of it. There's political advantage to them. They have conditioned a whole group of young people to believe that you are whatever gender you want to be, whenever you declare it, and that's true, and anything else to, to, is a hate crime. That insanity out there, they have conditioned kids to accept. They, they get ruined by it. They get blasted by it. They get hit with some shrapnel from that argument every once in a while. One of their own goes down, but they don't care. It is about moving forward, ever forward, constantly. So you get the lieutenant governor of a state going, hey, you're a good parent only if you indulge your children in their delusions. When the suicides hit or when the medical damage hits in the future, you know who to blame. They won't be around. They'll pretend that they weren't in town that month, but it is straight and exclusively on Democrats, and it's gross, and may they, uh, may the Lord have mercy on their souls, because I will not. Anyway, that is all the time we have for this week. Good Lord, Friday is over. Midnight tonight, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. The Week in Evan Review, check it out. A splendid time is guaranteed for all for the low, low price of five bucks. Don't forget to enter the drawing for the signed book, Ivanka Trump versus Christy Gnome, baby. Thanks for listening. See you tonight. <laughs>